Warning, the following podcast may contain spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. Time issue 13 is now on podcast stands from the showcast on the Next Level Podcast Network. I am Ben Beck. And from Kathy Crew, I am Rob Martin. And this week we have the penultimate episode of Supergirl episode 19, the, uh, the pre season finale episode, uh, as well as Legends episode 11 from the first season. And since Arrow and Flash are both on break, we will be doing a breakdown and review of Bat Kid Begins which is the documentary I know Rob and I were both looking forward to to seeing and checking out. So, yeah, it would it's it'll it'll be a shorter show this week, but I think still a very fun show. I think so too. And then next week we have at least 3 of the four shows. And we do. We have a finale next week, man. Yes, yes we do. So, it, it'll still be a pretty full show even though we have 3. Actually, I think it works out a little better that one of the shows on break cuz we can actually spend a little extra time on the finale. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I think that's that's a good way to go. Yeah. Uh, but let's get started first with DC Bullet Points, where we break down each episode and give it our rating. Well, where we give them our ratings uh, on a scale of sidekick, hero, and legend. Starting off first with Supergirl, as I had mentioned, episode 19 of the first season. Uh, Rob, we'll start with you, uh, as always. I think I'm going to go actually hero, but it's very, very strong hero. Uh, I was really close to legend on this, but... It did feel like part one of a two-part story, so it feels like we just got the ball rolling by the time the episode wrapped up. So I think it's really going to be hard to judge until next week. So I'm going to go hero right now, but if I think next week is really strong and you look at this as a whole, um, I might you know retroactively go back and bump this to a legend. I Yeah, I think I'm on the same page with you on this one as well. This was, uh, I think, a very strong episode. As, I, as we've been mentioning for the past couple weeks, these episodes just seem to be getting better and better. Um, you know, the, the, the show is finding its footing and we're so close to the end now that it's getting kind of risky about the second season being uh, coming along. We haven't heard anything yet, but we haven't heard cancellation yet either. So, uh, hopefully with this part, this two part finale that we're getting, we're getting the first half of it now. Uh, but I'm going to give this one a strong hero as well. Okay, cool. So we're on the same page on this one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think uh, it's also really hard to kind of gauge the uh, the level of this episode because this is coming off of the world's finest episode, so which was just so amazing. So you kind of have that same standard that you're going to hold for this episode as well. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but I will say uh, we'll get to it more in the breakdown. Uh, one of the reasons why I'm not giving this one a legend is because uh, this episode teased me with something teased all of us with something and then yeah, and then, <laughs> and then through the I almost. Pulled- what was that? I almost texted you. I was like, hey, don't get excited in the first 15 minutes, bro. <laughs> it's gonna, it pulls the carpet out from under us. We're like, ha, yeah, I didn't give it to you. Uh, but yeah, next up we have Legends, episode 11 of the first season. Um, uh, Rob, rating on this one. Legend. Um, absolutely love this episode. <laughs> love yeah. it. Not even just because Jonah Hex, but it was actually just, I really enjoyed it. There was a lot of fun to be had in this episode. 
Yeah, I know you and I were hanging out last night, uh, the, well, at the night before we recorded this, and we were talking about this a little bit, and you're absolutely right. This was just a fun, fun episode, probably one of my favorites of the season so far. Um, so for that reason, yeah, this is getting a legend from me as well. Yeah, and they did the Wild West well. They oh, really man, and, I, and I'm, as I mentioned last week, I just love Western movies and, and stories, so to get two of my favorites, a superhero story setting place and taking place in a western mm. uh, yeah i was like yeah this this is great so yeah, legend for me at the same time yeah great job great job on that uh and of course we have the movie that we did this week with uh flash and arrow being on break was back kid begins the documentary on the kid miles who had his make-a-wish come true um uh rating on this one between uh i i think i'm gonna go legend it was just a very very sweet story um i mean again it's uh it's more about the making of what happened that day, like the, everything that went into planning everything. But um, I, I, I still think it was a really, really touching story. I wish actually they actually focused a lot more on the family, though. That was the one thing I felt like they kept steering away from. But the other people involved, how much they cared and how much it had all the impact it had. It, I think it take, has to take it to a legend. Yeah, I'm in agreement with that one, too. I think the family aspect, I mean, I will go into this a little bit more. We break it down a little bit later. But. I think that's more that the family just didn't want to be the focus of the film. I don't think that really has anything to do with the filmmakers and such. I think that's more just that the family wanted it to focus on Miles and his day rather than, than themselves. But, yeah, I give this one a legend as well. Cool. So, uh, now moving on to the points where we break down these episodes, which is the Secret Origins portion of the podcast, starting off first with Supergirl episode 19 titled Myriad Nan and Indigo use mind control to make the citizens of National City their army so Kara must find a way to save her friends uh, so uh, quite a few things happening in this I do have a little bit of notes on this episode um, uh, starting from the beginning I know one thing I was kind of disappointed on was there was a lot of anticipation from me about the fact of Eve Torres playing um, Maxima Coming up, I mean, you know, we got announcement of that a couple weeks ago. Uh, we didn't get a lot of her at all. No, it was a, it was a quick one one scene and done. Um, yeah, really, not much there to go go with. And it makes you wonder if she's just going to be a larger part in next week's episode. That's my guess. But uh, yeah, it was. Um, it kind of felt like it just didn't need to be there. Yeah, I, I, I'm thinking. I'm hoping you're right in that she's going to be part of the next week's episode. Um, because of the fact that I mean, and she's not listed in the credits for next week's episode, too. I'm looking right now. So, uh, unfortunately, I'm thinking they might have just thrown her in as a nod to comic book fans. Yeah, I, I mean, there was... <sighs> All right, let's get into it right away. All right. Because this is in the beginning <laughs> of the episode. There's a lot of ble- uh, big blue epi- like kind of references in this episode where you get a lot of Superman talk. Kara, you know, reaching out and texting Clark, and he's like, oh, he's off-world. And then all of a sudden you see a text and you're like, I'm on my way. And you're like, no, they're not going to do it. They're not going <laughs> to do it. I you start seeing them fly up and just, boom, just down onto the street level, sucked into Nan's army. And it's Affected kind of like, yes. by Myriad. Like instantly, you know, like he still looks like the size of an ant on the screen when you see him. You're like, God damn it. Don't, don't even bother doing it. <laughs> exactly. You're going to do that. But you know that was like 
I think that was the writers having fun with the fans. Like, Most definitely. Y- you guys Most have been definitely. wanting to see Superman, so we're going to give it. No, we're not. It's, you know. it's like just teasing. But <laughs> I, I did get a kind of a chuckle out of that that they did that. And it's a kind of like, because you get to see that the writers were just laughing the moment that they put that in the script. Like you oh, can feel it on screen. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's the tease I was referring to a little bit earlier on. Uh, but yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. I did. Like I saw him flying in. And I was like, ooh. And then he landed. I was like, God. <laughs> God damn it. Why did you have to tease us with that? And you're right. I, I chuckled a little bit too. Like, man, I fell for that. That was like, <laughs> and I did too. Cause like, there's like, when you got that, you see the text on screen, you're like, no, this is amazing. Please do this. And like, we just came off of Flash being on last episode. Come on, come on, come on. And yeah. Yeah. So, but it's all good. I think between that, though, there was, you know, Max been talked very heavily too about Superman as well. And, um, you know, kind of that, you know, I, I'm not as familiar with the Maxima character, but it kind of, Gave me like a, a mental throwback to the character like Big Barda that always had a thing for Superman as well. So uh, one of the New Gods characters. But yeah, um, so I have to actually do a little digging because, again, Maxima is not somebody in my comic repertoire. Wow. So there was a, there's an actual DC character that I'm more familiar with than you are. Yeah. That's this, so on this This one, is a man. surprise. This is a turn. Yeah. So, but yeah, I know Maxima because Maxima, of course, uh, she kind of falls on both sides of the line depending on the situation. Uh, you know, obviously she wanted to take Superman as a mate and she felt that this would be possible, uh, you know, even though Superman wanted no part of it. And it was basically because Maxima pretty much is the only person who could give Superman children um, just because of their the, – the way they are, you know, being Their genetics, powered. yeah. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, there are times that Maxima has helped out Superman, obviously, in the uh, the Death of Superman saga. Maxima is pretty much the only person that can stand by Superman's side and take on Doomsday without pretty much being knocked out of commission like the rest of the Justice League and such. So she's very comparable to Superman. You know, she stands by his side at certain times, and there are other times where she – I mean, I remember there was a team called, I think, the Superman Revenge Squad. And it was basically a team of people who just wanted to take out Superman. And there was a point in time where she had, was a member of that as well. Okay. So she I'll ha- falls. I'll have, to, I'll have to go back and uh, check out a story or two with her then. Yeah. So she falls on both sides of the line depending on the situation. She's sort of like a superhero punisher of the DC world. Okay. So even though that's probably not a proper analogy. But either way. So I was very disapp- I was excited to see her but disappointed that we got maybe two minutes. Well, I think we probably t- we talked about her more than I think the show actually used her. So, just in these last couple minutes, <laughs> yeah, probably. So we're giving her more attention than the show did. I know. So uh, we did get a little bit of a flat um, a recall to something I had questioned earlier on in the season, as well as earlier on in the podcast, and that was the uh, the green flashes from the muzzles of the guns. Mm-hmm. That wasn't addressed earlier on when we saw them before because we were curious if I had even seen it or if it was a lighting issue. And now we know uh, there actually were green flashes from the muzzles because there are kryptonite bullets in the gun. Yep. So that was something that we got because Kara was shot when, by a kryptonite bullet by Alex when Alex was taken over by – or not Alex. Uh, uh, Lucy. Lucy. Lucy Lane, yeah. Yeah, when Lucy was taken over by – affected by Myriad. So, uh, we got to see the fortress yet again. Yeah, yeah. Which like I said, cool. just a quick second or two there. I mean, uh, it, just about the same amount of screen time as it got prior. But uh, yeah, we got to see a little bit of uh, interaction between Calix uh, and uh, and you know Kara, and it was just that whole idea that he's not keeping his end of what his programming directive is. But uh, you know, 
her mother comes to her and says, here's Myriad. This is the whole purpose of this. This is why we're going, you're going to have to deal with this. And what they're really up against. It's that whole, I, it kind of felt like a bit of a, it, it was interesting. It was, um, I guess Myriad kind of feels like a pseudo League of, uh, League of Assassins kind of thing where it's just, they're getting everybody to pull together to, you know, take everything back, basically. I don't know. It was uh, it was interesting. It was not quite what I was hoping for with Myriad. It was uh, you know another brainwashing kind of scheme. Everybody's minds working together to solve all of the world's problems, but as slaves. So, yeah. Um, but I know I like I've been taking over most of this conversation. What were some of the other? And I do have some more notes as well too. But what were some of the other big moments that you think came out of this episode? Well, like I said, we did get to see Alex and uh, John um, on the run. And As then a kid. Coming, ba- coming back to you know Alex's child- childhood home. We actually, so that kind of made me smile. We had three Supergirls in this episode. We had, uh, I can never remember the actress's name that's playing Indigo. Um, uh, Laura Vandervoort. Small- Laura- oh, yeah, Laura Vandervoort from Smallville. You had Helen Slater in this episode as yeah. well, who was in the 1980s movie. And then you know, Melissa as well. So we had three Supergirls in one episode. So that made me smile pretty hardcore. Yeah. Uh, so I think it was kind of a nice little nod. And like I said, you got to see a little bit of John again, which was nice to see. They've taken a back step for a couple episodes now. Um, you know, we also see Max, Maxwell Lord jumping back into the fray, helping out, um, you know, in the Maxwell Lord, you know, Lex Luthery kind of way that he does. And, uh, you know, and you see a lot more of Cat Grant again this week, too. Uh, and the Cat Grant stuff is getting stronger and stronger and stronger. I think that's becoming like... It's the Papa Joe um, and you know Barry relationship in this show, basically. It's yeah, yeah. I, I see that too. I also see a lot of that too, though, in Kara and John. I mean, yeah. that's another Papa Joe kind of situation, especially because he almost is like a Papa to them. Yeah, and um, like when we say Papa Joe, we're of course talking about Joe West. Um, from you've the probably flash, heard yeah. us heard us bring uh, like you know bring that name up before. That's always just been our little nickname because it's again, it's the father that you always want, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's the person that you want standing by you and looking over you in your life and be like, you did an amazing job. Like, thank you so much, Papa Joe. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I'll tell you right now, like I'm, especially from the stuff that we saw out of this episode and, and stuff that we've seen from previous episodes, I, I'm loving David Harwood as Hank Henshaw and John Jones. I mean, I want to see every week that we get it, I want to see more and more of The Martian. And I'm kind of hoping we're getting to a point now with, you know, obviously his his existence has been acknowledged. The world knows that he exists. Uh, he's now returned to the city to help out. Um, we know he's not dead because he's in the promos for next week. So uh, even though that's kind of where they leave it at the end of the episode, but we'll get that, to that obviously in a little bit. But I, I'm hoping that next season, if there is a next season, and I'm keeping my fingers crossed at this point that there is, uh, that we're going to get to see him stand out more as Martian because I'm just loving that character more and more every week that we see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's really shining more and more in this as the show goes on. Yeah. I mean, I think that I've seen Martian before in animated series. I've seen Martian in Superman or um, Smallville. And I think this is the best portrayal I've ever seen of Martian. So I'm, I'm very happy with what they've done with him so far. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, Beyond that, I guess the closest variations of this is, you know, the Justice League animated series. And uh, honestly, there's uh, the the run of uh, Martian Manhunter that's uh, just about to wrap up before the start of Rebirth, uh, which is an, another incredibly just exceptional uh, Martian Manhunter story. So and I think between that, I, some of the best stuff is for Martian Manhunters happening as we speak. It's Supergirl and that current book. So, yeah. Uh, as you had mentioned, too, we saw the return of Maxwell Lord, who, like Cat Grant, is unaffected. 
mm-hmm. by Myriad, thanks to Maxwell Lord's technology. And the reason that, you know, Cat Grant also is unaffected is because of a pair of earrings he put that same tech into and gave to Cat as a present. Mm-hmm. So uh, so it was a nice kind of explanation. Um, so I thought it was interesting. I Now, I, because we're diving into that, too, we'll kind of bring back up that Superman idea of him popping in. I really didn't care for their dis- reasoning on why Superman was affected by Myriad. It was just the fact that he grew up in, a, in an Earth environment and he was, you know, able to be persuaded basically by the myriad signal because of being almost more human like and i'm like that's a little eh. <laughs> yeah I, mean, I, I i was the same way because kara grew up there as well i mean yeah. maybe not as long as clark did but she grew up in the same environment so she would have been affected just as much as, as right clark. i think it gave an odd message to the show that basically saying that Kara doesn't have as much heart as superman or she's more disconnected from everybody than superman is i mean yeah obviously there's yeah. a little bit of you know more time he's spent but still that i think that was kind of a that was a little bit of a troubling moment for me to kind of come to grips with which i got past pretty quick because the episode moved at a nice rapid pace so you're kind of like okay we're on other things and i'm just going to leave that behind yeah, it was it was almost like they they found a way to bring Superman into the episode without actually bringing him into the episode. But now we have to make a reason why we can't show him. Yeah, and I think it was it kind of better. a cop out. Yeah, it was better for them probably not to even do that or use that. Just I mean, use I, the, the old... same excuse that he was off Earth. Yeah, and, and that would have been fine. They could have stuck with that. It would have been okay. Um, and it feels like they only did it purely so Nan could come in and says, you know. The Man of Steel has already knelt before me. And I'm like, really? Do we have to get that in there? <laughs> <laughs> so, but um, but it felt like that was the only reason for that to be there. Or it was just the idea of, hey, uh, National City is in, under this massive crisis. Why wouldn't he respond? Yeah. Um, and that's kind of like they had to find a way to address it. But I'm not entirely sure I like the way they addressed it. So I also would like to know who Superman's carrier is that he's getting text messages off Earth. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> I mean, it, it could have very bit. It could have very easily been he happened to return and saw the text message. Dude, that, his ro- his roaming rates probably had to be pretty intense <laughs> on that, though. Let's exactly. be honest, man. <laughs> He's certainly not using T-Mobile or AT&T, not sponsors. Um, you know, but uh, yeah, that's just interesting. He's getting text messages off Earth. Yeah, watch Watchtower Wireless, man. That's there you probably go. the best carrier you can buy. I want to be part of that carrier. Uh-huh. I want my phone to go there. Um, <laughs> but uh, I thought we got a very Spider-Man vibe with a certain moment of this, too. Uh, a Spider-Man Gwen Stacy vibe with a game of catch that Nan plays with uh, with James, with Wynn, and with Kelly. Yeah. You know, the three members where they all take a leap off the balcony, and Kara has to basically play catch and try and save them and she saves jimmy and win and kelly unfortunately who obviously is a character we've never met before so we knew her fate was sealed at that time yeah she uh, might as well should have just been wearing a red dress or a red shirt and then yeah. just being like because <laughs> you and, saw that setup and like well she's dead and be part of an away team yeah yeah well yeah that's what i mean by her fate was sealed like the oh, moment yeah. I mean, she we... takes the leap off the balcony with the other two it's like kelly's not gonna make it yeah pretty much <laughs> So, uh, but a very uh, Gwen Stacy kind of moment from Spider-Man, you know, when Spider-Man's forced to choose between Gwen Stacy or the uh, like the the sky carrier full of kids. And Mm -hmm. unfortunately, the sky carrier full of kids is saved and Gwen Stacy doesn't make it. So, uh, you know, a very serious moment. But again, a moment sort of like and I compare this is almost like Kara's Jonathan Kent moment. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, Jonathan Kent has a heart attack showing that Superman cannot save everybody. And this is kind of that moment for Kara that, you know, Kara can't save everyone. It's a moment of weakness for Kara. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, like I said, I think it was, it's a very classic, tr- like, trope in superhero stories, but it, it's, uh, it's still a, a one that works very well. And I, th- I was kind of happy to see them do that and of her struggling with this, especially as we're getting to the finale. But the one thing I will say, though, so far is I think that the show is lacking, and I'm really hoping that they're going to get into in next season. I've never really been too invested in the non, uh, non-character as Me the either. season villain. Um, it's kind of like, uh, you know, Legends of Tomorrow, you're kind of like, eh, you know, Casper Crumbs, Vandal Savage is okay, but still, I got a little bit more of a really, like, intense vibe from him, the way that Nan's never done. I mean, he's just kind of just there. He's like, look at me in my fancy, like, you know, tracksuit, and that's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, I'm kind of hoping, and, and this is basically just a nod to the movie, um, because obviously when the promos for next week, uh, we're going to see Kara go one-on-one with Nan. Uh, in in a battle, and I'm kind of hoping that maybe we're going to see the non from the movies appear out of this, in that he is just a oaf, like brainless oaf who just has no intelligence any longer. He's basically just a henchman. So are you going to see him going to like reduce to that by the end of it? Yeah, I, either by Kara's hand or maybe even by Indigo. It's you possible. I, I'm wondering if we are going to go in that direction. I mean, like. You know, we did see him in Man of Steel, and he was not, like, just oafish, but, I mean, he was just a straight-up bruiser. I mean, he was just there to be hardcore muscle in the fight. But Yeah, exactly. Um, but, I mean, yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm wondering if we're going to see him kind of unleash pretty hardcore. Uh, the one thing I actually kind of was surprised about this week was, uh, you know, we, we had the rooftop fight between Indigo and, you know, the Martian Manhunter, where we did see uh, John take a, take a nasty kind of T-1000-y kind of stab from Indigo. Um and uh, but you know he threw her through a building that was just fire erupting around him, and uh, I'm surprised we didn't see much of a reaction from him about that. Uh, you know, uh, Martian Manhunter is one of his biggest weaknesses has always been fire, and uh, the fact that he was just kind of like, eh, you know, I thought that yeah. was kind of interesting. I, I thought almost Indigo was going to either throw him in the flames or something along those lines, and uh, instead it was just kind of like, nope, he uh, just took the stab and is comic book dead. So we'll just put it that way. Um, I want to jump back real quick to sure. uh, your mention of Nan. Um, I don't. We didn't see Nan in Man of Steel. He was in there, uh, but it was very brief. Uh, he had one of the smaller appearances. He was one of the other Kryptonians that was in the fight, and we saw a lot more of. Uh, I'm trying to remember her name. Is it Ursa? Are you yeah. sure? Because neither one of them is listed in the credits of wow. Man of Steel. I I don't think they were because, um, I mean, just the same as um. Uh, of uh, Zod and such being used in the movie, I don't think they would be able to use them in Supergirl because they would be licensed to Man of Steel. I think maybe it's just the way that the character design looked. I was kind of making the assumption. So, because I don't think they ever dropped many of the names of the other Kryptonians that were in Man of Steel, but uh, I think it was just kind of maybe the visual look of it. I was like, oh, that's probably that's probably supposed to be none, you know, possibly because I'm I'm seeing a Toron, uh, a Jax or a Lore M a Rosar and a Carvex and that's pretty much the only names of Kryptonians I'm seeing in the in the cast of credits for Man of Steel. Okay. Well, I'll, have to, I'll, I'll just maybe I'll uh, go back and watch it sometime soon and uh take a yeah, look see. Have fun with that. <laughs> <laughs> I I still don't mind that movie that much, man. There's only <laughs> a couple issues I have, but I know. It's all good. Uh but yeah, I mean as you you were mentioning too, we did see John and Alex return to the city. 
And now Alex is with Nan and Indigo in the heart of where Myriad is basically emanating from. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're seeing um, Maxwell Lord and Kat and Kara all working together at this point to, I guess, send a signal piggybacking off of Myriad that we don't know yet what this signal is going to do or what it's going to broadcast because it's, they're probably saving that for the finale, obviously. Yeah, they, as they put it, it's something to inspire hope. So my guess is just many, many shots of Supergirl or just the S-Shield. Or the, no statue of, or the Statue of Liberty when the Ghostbusters. <laughs> Probably. With NES <laughs> controls and all. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, so, yeah. so But the biggest moment, I think, of the episode and at the very end, too, is the battle that we're going to see start off the, the finale next week. And that is Kara versus Alex. Alex in a very much advanced warfare, you know, tech suit. <laughs> slash <laughs> slash uh, almost kind of luther power armory yes that's exactly what i was going with very it's kind power of power armor it's a nice little mix between very call of duty the, the the you know the most recent entry in the franchise and uh yeah lex luther i was almost nice thinking in between i was almost thinking gears of war yeah a little bit of that too there it's 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 you know battle armor it's sci-fi yeah. battle armor uh yeah since she busted out her uh her kryptonite sword and being very much mind controlled by non in this so uh we saw them both have super heroic leaps at each other before we got left with our our S shield cliffhanger moment. Yeah. So, uh, one of the things we actually didn't talk about though, real quick, is uh, Maxwell Lord's plan to kind of put an end to the Kryptonians. In this, is uh, the Kryptonite pretty much you know bomb that's going to go off you know above National City is his his backup plan to basically wipe out uh all the Kryptonians, basically er- like you know irradiate. All of National City for they said what fifty years, give or take. Yeah, fifty years, and uh, which would also mean that both Kara and Clark would never be able to go to National City at least for another fifty years. And uh, but also with this, there's consequences, which I think you, they mentioned something that eight percent of National City's population would probably die in the concussive force of the blast, which equal so, to I think about three hundred thousand people. I think so. I think they said something like that. So I mean, this is basically the equivalent of as you mentioned, this is a Kryptonian atomic bomb. Right. Uh, now, my thought process is, is uh, and I kind of have a question for you on this as well. Do you think Max is going to try to pull this off still? Do you- um, I don't know. And I, I, I didn't even really think about that until you brought it up. Because in, in my mind, just watching the episode, I'm, I have the feeling that Max is on board with whatever happens. And I think a lot of that is the speech that Kara and Kat give him, you know, about his parents and that. You know, this is something he needs to do to kind of make things right. Uh, you know, this is his chance to, you know, save the city without there being consequences like there were with his parents. Right. So I don't know. I, I, I'm leaning more towards that he Maxwell Lord is going to do the right thing and he's going to, uh, you know, stand with them. Now, that doesn't mean there might there won't be a moment in the finale where for some reason the broadcast doesn't work and... Or it seems like the broadcast isn't working, so Max is going to take matters into his own hands. See, that's kind of where my thought's going, and I think we're going to see maybe a Kara, you know, pull the Wonder Woman moment and maybe be forced to stop Max in a a very violent way, um, which I could see them doing um, in this show for some odd reason. It's that idea of her having to take a life and really having problems with it and how that affects her into next season because again uh the maxwell lord's fate was sealed in uh i want to say it was uh infinite crisis 
or pre-Infinite Crisis, um, where uh, Wonder Woman had to snap his neck. So, well, see if that's the case though, and they go that route, I, like that's one of my biggest issues with Man of Steel, and it's gonna turn into a big issue with me with Supergirl as well. Um, I. It, I don't. I don't like that idea. I don't like the idea of of Kara having to snap Maxwell Lord's neck or even just put an end to his life. Mm-hmm. That's not in this. That's not in these characters. That's not as who these characters are. Right. I mean, I understand the argument as to why they did it in Man of Steel, and you know, but I. I don't know. It's just something I don't like. Yeah. And again, though, too, it's it's the the, the what's questioning me is just the just that comic book knowledge of how this character goes down. Um. And it's at the hands of a hero that had to do what they had to do kind yeah. of thing. And it makes me wonder if they're going to pull from that. So I'd be very curious to see if they were to. And if if that does, how that, you know, you know, impacts the series or season if they did go that route. But, yeah, I'm hoping that they don't as well. Uh, I could see somebody like Manhunter doing it because he had to. Because he's the type that would, you know. Yeah. You could see it in for uh, being able to look at it in a different you know objective way that you could understand him doing it but when it's when it's uh you know superman or somebody like supergirl that does it it makes you question some things a little bit yeah exactly i mean it's it's one thing to do that kind of a move in a movie because the movie's already shot the movie's filmed it's in theaters and while there's talks of a sequel you know it's not necessarily guaranteed but when the tv show where you're still trying to get your second season and you're taking a big risk of turning off viewers by doing yeah. something like that. So I don't know if that's a route they would go in the television series. Yeah, and I think I, I think we probably won't see that. But uh, I don't think we're we're staying um, far away from uh, Max having another big heel turn before the end of uh, next episode. Oh I have yeah, a feeling he's going to do something nasty probably within the next in next week's episode. Yeah, I mean because you got to remember too, Maxwell Lord is very Luther esque. Yeah, and. Uh, as much as he's been playing the nice guy, you know, he's the type of person that's like, he has this tech. He's probably going to try to use it. Yeah. Know? So it's it's just a matter of how it's going to go down. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, this was the penultimate episode where we're going into the finale next week titled Better Angels, uh, the 20th episode of the and the finale of the first season. Uh, Supergirl is forced to do battle with an unexpected enemy, which I'm, I'm assuming we now know is Alex, mm-hmm. uh, as she risks everything, including her life, to stop Nan and Indigo from destroying everyone on Earth. So, yeah, it's going to be a very interesting uh, finale. I'm looking forward to it. And that title's got me really curious if they're going to dive deep into some Supergirl storylines, man. The angel idea is uh, not something that's not been touched in um, Supergirl. So I'm not going to say much about it because I want to see how it plays out next week. But uh, I would recommend maybe popping over to Wikipedia and uh, seeing how angels factor into Supergirl. Because they (laughs) do. They very, very much do. All right. So So, uh, moving on now to the next episode of the week, which was Legends of Tomorrow episode... 11 titled the magnificent eight i was already on board just from the title Mm -hmm. uh the magnificent eight uh the legends travel back to the old west and gain the aid of a true legend a morally ambiguous gunslinger with a penchant for danger jonah hex uh, who has been battling outlaws and gangs and happens to know a thing or two about time travel Uh, hex warns the legends to be extra careful in their journey to the small town of salvation so um Obviously, the biggest part of this episode is we got the introduction to Jonah Hex, which we knew uh, was going to be coming already. 
So, uh, you know, they had, had announced the writers and producers had announced this weeks ago, if not months ago. And we've been getting little hints such as wanted posters in, uh, you know, in Rip Hunter's office on the Wave Rider. And we started we found out from this episode how big the relationship with Jonah and Rip truly is. Very, very close. So uh, we found out that at a certain period in time, Rip and Jonah were a team. So uh, basically at a time, a point in Rip's life where he spent too much time in a certain time period and the same way that Ray Palmer uh, kind of was affected by that in the 1960s. um, Rip was affected to that by the same way and for a short period of time became a gunslinger. And we also found out that the, the coat that Rip Hunter wears once belonged to Jonah. Yeah, which, which I thought was kind of awesome. Yeah, I thought that was a nice little nod. And, so, uh, you know, Rip's Rip's son is uh, Jonas is named after Jonah Hex. I thought that yeah, was so, kind of cool, too. Yeah, so we start, we found out exactly how close of a relationship these two actually had and the, and the connection between the two of them. So, um, strong points of this episode. What are we thinking? I know there's quite a few. Well, for one, I loved uh, Mick and Sarah having their drinking contest in the saloon, which was just <laughs> awesome. Absolutely love that moment. Uh, I think the best moment of that was when they when the bar fight started and Sarah's fighting, and the next scene is Mick passed out on the bar. Uh-huh. <laughs> which was, it does maybe, like, grin ear to ear, man. Yeah, I love this moment. Yep. Super awesome moment. Um, but, yeah, no, um, and Ray, you know, they, they did the classic West story of Ray being like, hey, you know, walking into the sheriff's office, like, well, we can help. He was like, congratulations, you're the new sheriff. Peace, I'm out. Um, I mean, like, we got a lot of classic Western tropes in this episode, but they did them so much fun. Um, yeah. It's just very, very uh, just cool, cool to see. Uh, it's been fun watching Mick again, too. Uh, really fun watching him because, uh, you know, obviously we mentioned last week we had a little bit of an issue the last episode where they just uh, said, screw it, Mick, you're back on the team. Can we trust you? And they're like, whatever, who cares? We're dealing with bigger things right now. Um, but the fact that he kind of was in there and Sarah even brought it up is like, you're very different. And he's like, good or bad? And he's like, we don't know yet. We'll find yeah. that one out. And I thought that was just kind of nice little touch. But everybody seemed to have quite a bit of fun this week. Yeah, I, I, I think we're learning, too. And this is something we've already known, but we're finding out about it more and more in that Ray has his mind is tied to pop culture. Uh, in that the fact that last week he took the name of Dr. Hannibal Lecter. This week, John Wayne. This week, John Wayne. So I'm, I'm very curious to see what other names he's going to come up with I know. throughout the time. So, Like I said, the, the word that just best describes Ray Palmer in the show is precious. He is just... <laughs> <laughs> I, I just smile every time he talks because it's just like he just has so much fun on this show. And you can see Brandon Routh just loves, loves being in the show in this ensemble. But yeah. uh, it's just... He he's the big kid on the team. It's 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 fun to watch. Yeah, I know um, a little bit more character evolution that we saw out of this one is we saw we found out a little bit more of the backstory to Professor Stein. Uh, we found out that his father was a degenerate gambler. And through that, you know, obviously, Professor Stein had learned how to gamble a little bit himself, but he used uh, he just didn't go to the ways of a degenerate much like his father did. So we're starting to see a little bit of a comparison to him and um, Leonard. Leonard. Yeah. Smart. Uh, they're basically two guys that had the same kind of upbringing, but they just went two completely different paths in their lives. Yeah. And uh, I, I, it was actually, I was kind of happy this week that 
you know, like, Snart took a bit of a backseat. Um, you know, he was the gun in this this episode, pretty much. But it was nice to get some focus on a couple other people this week. And uh, it was nice to see him kind of step back a little bit. Yeah. As exactly. much as I love seeing him in the show, it's it's nice that they... I think they're starting to realize we need to give a little bit more room for some other characters to grow because we've only been feels like we've only been growing with a small group of them. Yeah, um, I know another cool moment was the fact that when Jonah first stepped foot on the, I mean, because we're, we're we're focusing on the group, but Jonah was a big part of this episode, and which I was very happy about because for those of you that aren't too familiar with Jonah, Jonah's not he's not a super he's not a superhero at all. He has no special abilities. He's basically just a gunslinger, but he is morally. I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong with that. Uh, uh, he's kind of the antihero. I mean, it, you know, it's a man that's not afraid to kill. I mean, but has dealt with just about everything under the sun. I mean, he's time traveled. He's, you know, been kind of like the vigilante in the old west. I mean, he's even been in modern day settings for quite a while in the last run, and. uh yeah, I mean, he's he's just a very interesting character that you can kind of just keep peeling layers off of. But, I mean, I, I am correct. He has no superpowers at all. No, he's no, it's just, he's, he's just, he's a, just a gunslinger, man. Yep. Just a gunslinger that has dealt with a lot of time travel. <laughs> yeah, he's dealt with a lot more than anybody else in his time period has dealt with, which is why it was funny when he stepped onto the Wave Rider and he was pretty much just like, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. And he's like, he I didn't was... get to see this last time, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So... Uh, we did get mentioned, and I can't for the life of me, I didn't make a note of it, and I can't remember the city. Uh, we found out why there's a lot of contention between Jonah and Rip, and that is because at the time that Rip had left the last time, basically ripping himself out of that time period as he had as he had put it himself because he didn't want to leave. Was it the, was the city? Was the city called Calvert? I think. Uh, that, I think that sounds about right. I it's think maybe like that's that. right. Something along those lines. Uh, but Jonah basically blames Rip for the downfall of that city because after Rip leaves, that's when uh, the gang that they were fighting off comes in and basically burns the city to the ground. Mm-hmm. So Jonah has a big problem with, with Rip because he blames Rip for his leaving. He's not He wasn't able to stop it. Yeah. So, But it's kind of even sounded like the Rip knew that that was the fate of that town, though. Well, he did. He's a time traveler. Yeah. So, I mean, like, it's one of those things that he left, and it's the idea he he knew that was going to happen. Um, but, yeah, it was interesting to kind of watch that make you think a little bit more about the way that the time travelers deal with everything. But yeah. the interesting thing about we didn't even bring up yet is the, as far as salvation is they kind of went a little bit more into time travel. And it's basically kind of like these are kind of like flux points in time um, where things kind of just... I, it was kind of tricky to kind of understand how uh, they really kind of tore into that. It was, I guess, kind of points in time that are kind of unseen by the Time Masters. So, um, yeah, and it's it, they're almost like blind spots, I think, as he put them. Yeah, it's, I think that kind of the best way that they brought it up was, yeah, they're blind spots to, to the Time Masters. Yeah. So, I mean, and that's one of the reasons why they went to this town in the first place was to hide from the hunters mm-hmm. that that the um, the Time Masters were sending after. It's so after, hard not to say Time Nick. Lords, isn't it? It is. And, and I've done so well so far this episode to not call Rip Rory. Mm-hmm. I've been focusing so much on that that I almost called Time Masters Time Lords. I know. I, that's why I'm like, oh, pause. Wait a second. Fix that. Your so brain. Many, okay, so Neil, many spit com- it out. 
Yeah, so many comparisons to you know, Doctor, to Doctor Who. Oh my god, it fucks with your brain so bad when you're trying <laughs> really to do recaps to the show. So, um, but obviously, after they the team comes together and they deal with the uh, you know the bandits uh, from um, God, I can't remember the group's name either. It's from South, well, Salvation was the town that they were in, right? And I can't remember the name of the family that they were going up against. It's all good. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, doesn't really matter. Uh, e- but evil at- Western gang. You know, we're just gonna go evil Western gang. And Pretty we'll, much. We'll just stick with that because that's usually <laughs> yeah. exactly how all of them are. But we're seeing uh, the hunters then actually do find them and uh, Stillwater. That was it. Stillwater. Uh, yeah, the Stillwater gang. Yep. Um, but the hunters actually do find them. Oh, before we get into the hunters, which is the end of the episode, uh, one thing I, I don't know how I feel about uh, that we have not brought up yet. Kendra. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, I was like, so let's go to our favorite character on this show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, first but it's off, okay. It's okay. 16 days without incident, yes. everybody. <laughs> without without barista mention. Um <laughs> It kind of confused me that we met an older version of Kendra, another iteration of Kendra, who didn't look like Kendra. Um, yeah. I, I guess they're basically playing on the fact that different things can cause them to look different. But it was it kind of threw me off because every iteration – we've seen two other iterations of Kendra as of yet, not including this one. And they both – they all look the same. So why does this one look different? Well, for one, she's drastically older. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but even that much older, there's a drastic change in the way they look. Like they didn't look anything alike. Yeah, that that did bother me a little bit as I was watching it. I like I was like, "Huh? Who is this person?" Okay, I guess they were friends, and I'm like, "Cuz they clearly aren't the same person." And then they're like, "Yep, it's the same person." I'm like, "Huh?" I don't know if this was the best casting choice here, but I mean, like my initial thing, yeah, was was that she was a friend of the version of Kendra that was from that time period. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she saw her and just kind of had a moment because maybe perhaps she saw that version of Kendra die or it was almost like she was staring at a ghost. But to throw it in later that she actually is that version of Kendra, like that just confused me. Mm -hmm. I mean, like I said, you know, ultimately this was kind of. I don't know. I don't think it was really very necessary to toss into the episode either. The only thing we really got out of this was kind of like, hey, there's another bracelet around somewhere um, that she can potentially use to hurt Savage. Um, and, but even still, they were kind of like, well, it's been lost for many, many, many years. Well, it also it also played more into the whole Kendra Ray relationship where, you know, the older version of Kendra, that version of Kendra was telling her that you're, you're not meant to be with anybody um yeah, but Carter, yeah. But Carter, because it's doomed to fail if you're not. So, I mean, it, and then just to see her go back and return to Ray, and, and, and go against that whole concept, uh, you know, yet again, which it, it seems like we're seeing this just in a different version every episode. Yeah, and I, I kind of wish they would start doing a little bit more with her. I mean, like, she has a lot of potential. I mean, they're doing a nice job with the Hawk mythos, but again, the problem is, well, it's the Hawk mythos. And fortunately, it's not one of the most entertaining um character lines that ex- ex- ever existed in dc uh and it's tricky to deal with um the i think the last time i really enjoyed like the hawk mythos kind of stuff is like actually the old justice league cartoon where it was like nope they're the thanagarians they smash stuff they're war people i'm like cool 
<laughs> yeah. I, I feel like they're focusing too much on the Ray Kendra relationship rather than the fact that Kendra is going to be. And I, I feel that they're starting to head towards it, but they're not focusing enough on the fact that Kendra has to be the one that puts down Savage. Yeah, I mean, I think I'd rather see, like, you know, more focus of her and Sarah's friendship and then her taking her to the edge of fighting and just her being a brawler. I mean, I, yeah. you think with all these barroom brawls that they have in this show, she would be the one smashing a lot more than she's smashing. Yeah. Because um, she's the one that needs to put up or shut up when it comes to a fight. And uh, they really need to start doing something with that. Um, it's a, I think it's a, that's a downside for the show right now that they still haven't really addressed. Yeah, it's almost to the point now that when it comes down to, like, the way her character is set up and established at this point, if if it came down to her having to face Savage tomorrow, she would fail. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't believe at all in, right now in this storyline. Granted, we've got, like, what, another six episodes, seven episodes to go? Yeah. But at this point, yeah, if they were put up, it was a put up or shut up moment, yeah, the team's just doomed. <laughs> yeah, that time itself is doomed because it's, she's not ready. She's yeah. far from it. Yeah, and I mean, I'm hoping that maybe that these little stories we got, like, last week where we saw a little bit more of her life with Carter in, the, like, the 1920s and this. Like, they are starting to give us more of her character, but it's not what they need to be giving us of this character right now. They, we need to see this confidence instilled in her because she – I think there was a step towards that this week when she like, screw it, it's my destiny, I'm going to do whatever the hell I want. This is my goal. That's why she kind of, you know, said, screw it, I'm going to be with Ray. I'm not these other people, you know. And maybe that is just them just trying to instill that confidence in her to be able to be a little bit more take charge. But I still don't believe it. It's been a lot of telling, not showing. Yeah. So and I it's um, I'm glad that they left out the fact, too, that the older Kendra used to serve coffee at the at the at the corral. <laughs> so nice. um, <laughs> jumping back to as we were mentioned to a lifeline um, of baristas, the best yes. baristas ever. Because they do serve coffee at the OK Corral, so uh, outside of whiskey. But uh, as I had mentioned before, too, after they take out the Stillwater gang and drive them out of the city, in come the Hunters. And they are forced pretty much at this point to reveal their true selves in that they are superheroes in front of a town of, you know, in, in front of the town of people who are not familiar with that at all, with the exception of Jonah. Mm-hmm. obviously who knows a little bit about it and it was a very cool moment when rip gave jonah a gun and it was one of rip's guns mm-hmm. so and we're also starting to realize too and i don't know why i didn't pick up on this until now this is why rip's gun is in the form of a six shooter yeah yeah like i said this episode i loved the tie between these two characters and how special they are to each other and uh the actor that is playing jonah hex i, I forgot to write his name down but uh it does sound like this is not the last we're going to see of him in, on this show. No, it sounds like they've got all. some serious plans for him. We maybe we see him again before the end of the se- uh, this season, but it sounds like they've got some thought process for him next season. Uh, it's Jonathan Shaish. Jonathan Shaish. But yeah, he did a wonderful job. Wonderful job. Yes, I agree. And yeah, and it sounds like it's it, he's going to be a character that's going to be revisited and um yeah, I'm looking forward to that because I, I loved the interaction. I loved, loved, loved the one-on-one um, quick draw with Jonah, not Jonah, with Rip and the head of Stillwater. Uh, yeah, the head of Stillwater, uh, because, I mean, look, it, it was Rip taking a life, but this is how things were done in the Old West. Mm-hmm. You know, there was no way around this. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, actually, you know, because we brought up Jonah too. There's one line I gotta repeat because I still think the standout line of this episode was just 
Ray and Jonah walking on the wave rider and just looking at Jonah's face and like, you know, we got machines that can fix that. You know, looking at his face, he's like, <laughs> fix what? <laughs> and I'm like, that's Jonah Hex, man. I'm like, that was wonderful. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> So, uh, but yeah, jumping back real quick to the hunters before we wrap things up. Uh, I was very happy with this. The only thing I didn't like about this hunter situation, and I don't know how you feel about this, is I didn't like the fact that they took, that Mick took the helmet off of one of them. And we saw, I mean, I understand that they're humans just the same way that Kronos was Mick underneath, you know, right. he was a human being underneath. But it was, it was more intimidating to not know what was under the mask. Oh yeah, I agree. Uh, for the hunters, yeah. I mean, yeah, I think that that was that was interesting. That oh, interesting choice, and it did take me out of that moment. Actually, I was I was kind of surprised too. Yeah, and that's that's what I mean by like I wasn't very thrilled with that because it. I, you put it perfectly. It took me out of the moment. It was more intimidating to feel like they were almost more robotic. Right. Uh, you know, because they had no emotion. They were simply there to kill. And when you hear things like that, you, you think of a robot, whether it's a human robot or an actual robot. So to see the face underneath and to hear them speak kind of took away from that a little bit. Yeah. It didn't make the hunters as intimidating. And I'm actually kind of surprised they seem to lay waste to those three in this episode. That was a very quick for that build up of, hey, yeah, you run from these people. And like, apparently they don't need to because... Holy crap, that was a brutal quick fight. And uh, I don't know if it was me, and I gotta go back and watch the episode. I only had a chance to watch it once, but it, it looked like there was a scene where when Adam shrunk down, flew through the person's body. Oh, yeah. Did, did I see that right? You saw that correct. Okay, I'm just making sure, because I was like, wait, what? Yep, <laughs> And you, I'm like, you nope. did see that correct. He blasted through somebody's chest. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, cool. I'm not losing my mind. Uh, but obviously, we did see the end to the, the to the hunters come. But it does lead us to something very interesting, uh, which is going to be addressed in the further episode. In that, the Time Masters have now initiated the Omega Protocol, mm-hmm. that being the Pilgrim. Yeah, and uh, uh, what a cliffhanger, man! This week, what yeah. a cliffhanger. Because we just got this character back, and I'm not sure he's going to be around after next episode. (laughs) Well, yeah, because it seems that the Pilgrim is somebody who is going to go back in time. And rather than just take on these guys head on, uh, she's just going to take out the younger versions of them so that they don't even exist. Yeah, and we we were left a moment of that end of the episode with childhood Mick watching his family home burn down and a gun clicking right behind his head from the pilgrim and you're like oh shit <laughs> well that also doesn't mean that they can't go back to before that moment and fix and, that mo- fix that and, time and fix that time uh but reading the synopsis of next week it's it pretty much it ripped the sides that sarah snart rory professor stein and jacks uh need to go back and kidnap their past selves before the pilgrim gets to them so that uh, makes no- it, that makes it sound kind of like that maybe Mick is gonna get phased out of time for some point in time in this episode, where they kind of maybe gather up their past selves, keep them safe, and then have to go back to that time to save a young Mick, and maybe that kind of changes Mick a little bit, um, a little bit more. Maybe brings him kind of tilts him back to that that good side because these people came and saved him as a child. Yeah, uh, that has much impact in you know time travel. He now knows these people. You know, before he even knew Snart at this point. So, like I said, time travel's wonky, man. It's hard to talk about sometimes. But they bring up some really interesting ideas on the show. 
Yeah, but it looks like uh, looking at the cast for next week's episode, we're going to see uh, Paul Blackthorne as a younger version of Quentin Lance. Mm-hmm. So we're going to obviously dive into Sarah's backstory a little bit, Sarah's past. Uh, and it looks like they're going to be focusing a lot on Mick next week. Yeah. Uh, in that we're going to see a young Mick Rory, and we're also going to see um, the mother of uh, uh, no, of we're going to see the mother of Professor Stein. Okay. So it looks like those are probably going to be the three focuses of of next week. It's kind of hard to dive into Kendra's past because yeah, I, uh, I don't know how much more we're going to see of her past. Well, we're probably going to see a lot more of it to be honest, but I don't know if it's stuff that we're going to want to see. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a wait and see. Uh, I, I, and I did see a, a, another upcoming synopsis that uh, we'll probably talk about next week that I'm, uh, I guess, where the show is going. And it actually brings up some really interesting things. So I'm really excited for the next couple of weeks of this show. Yeah. And I know what episode you're talking about, too, because we were I think we were talking about that a little bit last night mm-hmm. as well. That's t- uh, two episodes away. Yeah, actually, uh, that's two weeks away. But yeah, we'll talk about that next week a little bit more. Uh, but anything we're forgetting about with Legends? No, I mean, I think, you know, there was a couple other small points that we didn't really touch on, but things that really kind of didn't matter too much, like Jax was taken at one point during the fight with the Stillwater gang and using him as leverage. Uh, there was a nice little touching um, side story, too, with Stein saving a kid of tuberculosis. Um, that was a, just a nice little sweet moment. Um, but beyond that, I think uh, we pretty much covered all the bullet points of this week. Yeah, I think so, too. So uh, so with that being said, then we will move on to our fill in for the week, which was Bat Kid Begins. And just to give you if you're not too familiar with this, just to give you a little bit of a synopsis of this film uh, on one day in one city, the world comes together to grant one five year old cancer patient his wish. Bat Kid Begins looks at the why of this flash phenomenon. Now, I remember when this was going down. I remember um reading a lot of news articles that they were going to do this at that time i did not realize how big this was going to be and it, it watching this film just i i don't even know how to explain it like it's it makes me wish i was a part of it yeah, I, I I do agree, and it's I think one of the reasons that um, for the people that don't know, uh, we uh, actually do a children's uh, children's miracle network charity event every year. Me and Ben, uh, I've been doing it for a couple of years. Ben joined this last year called Extra Life, and that kind of feels like that's one of those things that is along those lines and how you can kind of help help a little bit in these really intense scenarios for some of these kids. But this was a very beautiful, very touching story that just. The amount of media attention it got, you could even see the how that really impacted everybody at Make-A-Wish that was trying to do this for this kid and, you know, the entire city of San Francisco and all these people involved in the kid's family, like Miles' family. Um, but it was a, it was very incredible to see. I mean, and it was very, very touching. It was very, very touching. Yeah. I mean, and it's – they even say at one point in the film, too, that they had parades for when the San Francisco Giants won the World Series – and there were more people in San Francisco to witness, and as many people as there were, you really, the if you were there just to witness it, you maybe saw the car drive by, depending on where you were at. And that was all that you got out of this. But there were more people in the city for this event than there were for the World Series. Yeah. So, um, but a little bit more about the film, it's... Um, it, it's more – it's about – the five-year-old boy named Miles, he fought leukemia, and his make-a-wish was to be 
uh, Batkid, which was the sidekick to Batman. And because growing up and he he was always somebody who put on costumes and things like that. And his father showed him the old Adam West Batman films and TV shows. And that was his first foray into superheroes. And that was the one he pretty much always stuck with. So when he was asked to be, uh, you know, what his make a wish was going to be, it was to be a superhero for a day. It was to be Batman or, or Batkid and. Uh, yeah, his, even when he, yeah, his own version of, of Batman, which was... Yeah, because he, even when he was playing with figures, he wouldn't call himself Batman. He, In his mind, Batman was Bruce Wayne. It wasn't him. So he always projected himself as Bat-Kid. He was Batman's sidekick. Mm-hmm. So it, it was very cool that they did that. In They paired him up with you know this guy who played Batman, and he became Bat-Kid for the day. And they... They brought in. I, I gotta tell you, I want to start following the guy that played the penguin. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. His name, first name was Mike. He actually works for Lucasfilm. Uh, the funny thing is, um, actually, when they were going through that, that that Lucasfilm building is actually in the Presidio in San Francisco, which I've had the pleasure of actually being in that building, um, which is a, kind of an awesome experience. There's this gorgeous, you know, golden Yoda statue out front in this fountain, and. Uh, Anybody that finds me on Facebook through the show, if you've ever seen some of my profile pictures, there's a really great shot of me and my wife in front of that statue. But uh, <laughs> but when I saw that, I was just kind of like, yeah, that's this is this is something kind of magical. And that guy was hysterical and just so into doing this and was so fun and lovable. And yeah, I mean, this the entire people that were involved in Miles' story were really just amazing people. Yeah, Mike Jatan. Mike Jatan. Yeah. Uh, yeah, very high energy and just loved playing the part of of the penguin and and such and it, it, was, it was almost like he was converted to a little bit of a kid himself and it, he played that part of the penguin so well so but i mean watching this movie uh, i had a constant smile on my face like the whole time oh yeah uh, i thought this was one of those movies we had mentioned last week you know where get the tissues ready and I, i'll admit there were a couple moments I, i did get a little choked up but for the most part it was just a feel-good very positive make- message yeah yeah, I mean, it, it, the biggest mesion, message I think that comes out of this is that when you see the the outpouring of support for this event, like it was something that Make-A-Wish had assumed there'd be 20 people here, 20 people there, and it turned out to be tens of thousands of people, people that flew in, that that just wanted to be a part of this, even if it was just being in the crowd. Uh, you know, Hans Zimmer composed a score for it, which I thought was awesome. Uh, Barack Obama and President and Mrs. Obama sent a message via Twitter uh, over, I think, what was the statistic I read as far as social media? Uh, 1.8, 1.84 billion people on Twitter and Instagram hashtagging uh, Batkid and SF Batkid. Like, that is amazing. And, and yeah. this is something that Make-A-Wish had assumed was just going to be a, maybe a handful of people just to make this kid's wish happen. But I think the biggest mission that comes out, message that comes out of this is that while there are a lot of negative, there's a lot of negativity in, in this country, this country still has a heart and wants to help people. And again, we talked about Paul Blackthorne's documentary last week, which portrays that message well, too. And this is just another great documentary about a little boy that got to live his dream that I think portrays the same message. Yeah. Yeah, it was a it was a very wonderful, wonderful story, and I, I th- really urge people to you know if you've got an hour and a half to just sit down if you're trying to figure out what to watch, just uh, sit down and give it a, give it a chance. And I think it's one of those things that it will it will make you it will 
feel very good and positive. And I think it's a it's a story that's it was that was worth telling and it's worth watching. Yes, I, I agree with that completely. Uh, it is currently available on Netflix at the moment, so I don't know how long it'll be up there. Probably a couple months because I think it was just added to Netflix, so it'll be up there for a little bit of time. So if you haven't had a chance to check this movie out, Bat Kid Begins is on Netflix. Definitely watch it. And uh, I am also happy to say that Miles, that the kid that's in this, is still alive and he's still in remission from his leukemia, which is um, which is just a great, uh, great thing to know as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, especially after being given the key to the city, yeah. After at the end of it, which which was fantastic. So, uh, but definitely worth the legend rating that we both gave it as well. Yeah, very very beautiful so, story. So, uh, next week, we, as we had mentioned, to uh, probably no filler because we're going to have the finale of Supergirl, uh, Legends of Tomorrow, as well as I think the Flash going to be returning next week. So. Uh, and Flash is is on its final run for the season, man. No more yeah. breaks. Yeah, this is a this is going to be a big episode next week. We're going to get a lot of answers to the Zoom storyline. We're going to yeah. find out was Jay Garrick actually ever Jay Garrick? Who is the one that's dead? Who is that other one not dead? All these questions hopefully will be answered next week. So I'm uh, I'm very curious to see how that's going to go next week, man. Really I am too. curious, but it's, I am too. It, it's I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I yep. I think next week's going to be another another good week of shows. So. Uh, but anything we're forgetting before moving on to the next portion of the podcast? No, man. I think it's news time. Yep, I think so, too. So moving on to uh, DC Essentials, where we give you the news and the DC world, as well as any recommendations we may have for the week. Um, I, we didn't decide who was going to do what, st- what right. stories. Well, how about this? We did this. Why don't you kick off the first one? I'll dive in with the next one, because I think one of these ones we're going to be able to talk about a little bit um, together, so... Because it kind of a little, little bit more to unpack with it. So, um, all right. So, I guess I'll start with Killing Joke. Yeah, do it up. that's cool. Uh, you and I were talking about this a little bit yesterday, watching the trailer, as well as giving me an opportunity to read the graphic novel, which I have not yet read. Uh, but Batman: The Killing Joke animated movie receives an R rating, which uh, it Bat- should. Yes, I, from everything I've heard about it, uh, I'm in a complete agreement with that as well. Uh, but Batman The Killing Joke isn't kidding around. Warner Brothers' direct-to-video animated film based on the notorious Alan Moore comic has been rated R, the studio's home entertainment division uh, decided. Uh, Killing Joke marks the first film in the DC Universe original movie franchise to receive an R rating and the second Batman movie to do so. So, uh, But starring Kevin Conroy as the voice of Batman, Bruce Wayne, Mark Hamill as the Joker, and Tara Strong as Batgirl, uh, Batgirl Barbara Gordon. Uh, the Killing Joke is an origin story that finds the clown prince of crime taunting the back, the Dark Knight by capturing and torturing Batgirl. So um, you gave me, as I had mentioned, the graphic novel to read. It will probably be read today after we're done recording. So uh, I'm yeah. looking forward to that. Uh, it's a it's an intense read for those of you who have not read that book. Make sure before you watch that, definitely give that book a read. Um, and and I'm kind of hoping it happens. I'm keeping my fingers crossed. It's not a guarantee. Uh, but I will be reaching out to uh, both Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill to possibly have one of the two of them on DC Primetime over the summer to talk a little bit more about Kelly Joker. Yeah, we should even try to see if we can try to reach out to Tara Strong as well. Oh, uh, yeah. 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 I mean, she's she's voiced so many characters in the DC Universe for the animated stuff as well. So it would be amazing to get an opportunity to speak with her. So yeah, we'll see what we can do. So we're going to work on it. Yeah. Uh, well, one of the next things is there's a lot of Suicide Squad stuff to talk about today. Um, we actually, like I said, we did 
talk a little bit a little bit last week about you know the reshoots going back in for action. David Ayer actually did kind of stretch that out a little bit more, even though he did say he was like, "Hey, it's action shots." And it's kind of like, "No, you know, backing that statement up, it's that idea." As the studio is just very happy, and they said, "Do you want anything else to do in this movie that we did not give you a budget to?" He's like, "Why? Well, I'd really like to make this scene bigger and do more with this." And they're like, "Have at it." So they were doing a full three three weeks of uh, additional shooting for the film. So, which is uh, it sounds very expensive. Um, so it makes it definitely seem like Warner Brothers is really excited about this film. And I, I I'm definitely getting more and more. And I know Ben, you said you were as well. We had that new trailer that launched uh, last week, which was super fantastic. I have watched probably like a good five times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the 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 ballroom blitz trailer was uh, super fun. So. Um, but on top of that, though, we did hear a little bit more about what's to come with Suicide Squad. They did say that they're very open to the idea of doing an R-rated Suicide Squad sequel, which it sounds like that's already in the process of being greenlit. And we did hear that. Bat- I think it has been greenlit. Well, already. I think it has been. I think um, Will Smith is signed already, I, but I don't know how much of the rest of the cast is. Again, this being okay. a Suicide Squad movie, it's the, they're probably not going to bring up too much of that just for the sheer fact of... You know, not everybody has a tendency to make it out of a suicide squad. <laughs> Good reasonings why. So it's this the question of who are the surviving members, and I'm sure they're going to be careful about announcing who's back, who's not. So, uh, But we did also find out Batman's actually a little bit more prominent in this than I think a lot of us were led to believe. So, yeah. And, yeah uh, they, oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say they had a discussion with David Ayers about, about that a little bit. Um, so. Do you want to expand on that a little as far as what they did kind of bring up? Uh, yeah, I mean, they, they showed a little bit more. Obviously, we do see uh, a new footage of Batman in the new trailer. Uh, and obviously, that was something that caught a lot of people's attention. So it, they actually went to uh, David Ayers to ask them just how much Batman they're going to see for the film. And his response was just the right amount. Uh, and a- another big question, obviously, with Batman being in the trailer was when does Suicide Squad take place? Is it a prequel to Batman v Superman? Is it, you know... Is it before or after? Um, and, you know, when asked about it, uh, whether it will acknowledge the events of Batman versus Superman or will it take place before or after, uh, David Ayer's response was simply the answer to all of the above is yes. Yeah. So it sounds like we're going to probably, and my guess is to kind of break that down a little bit, is we're probably going to see the origin of, you know, obviously of Harley in the beginning of the film. And I think we're going to see some of these characters' origin stories. And maybe when they originally all each got locked up and they've been spending some time rotting away in prison. And that's when you see, task, you know, Task Force X kind of come to be. Yeah. I mean, it, it pretty much Will Smith has come out and said the bat does cross my path uh, and it's not completely pleasant. Mm-hmm. So we know that at some point Deadshot is going to face off against Batman. We don't know, as you had mentioned, that could be how Deadshot is locked up. Yeah, uh, it could be due to Batman. Yeah, I'm I'm so, getting more and more excited for this flick. And uh, and Adewale, I can't pronounce his last name, so I won't attempt it. Uh, the guy that plays Killer Croc, he's already teased that there's some sort of interaction between Killer Croc and Batman as well. So, um, I'm very highly looking forward to this movie. Yeah, I cannot uh, wait. Like I'm I'm looking forward to this almost on the same level as Civil War. Yeah, and uh, I mean. It, We've already seen the early reviews of that to hit, and that's sounding incredibly positive as well. So, man, this is going to be a fun summer. It's going to be a really fun summer. Yeah, it is, man. May and <laughs> August are the two big months this year, and I can't wait. Yeah. All right, so, so on to the next one. That's you. 
well, on the news of Batman and, uh, you know, showing up in Suicide Squad, we have gotten a little news already about the fact that Warner Brothers has confirmed a standalone Batman movie with Ben Affleck will happen. Uh, not only that, but Ben Affleck will be directing this film as well, which I think this has a lot of potential yeah, for this. It really, really um, does. Uh, Affleck is already on board to play Batman in the upcoming Justice League uh, movies, uh, and rumors have been flying about about his participation in the new Batman solo film, uh, which is in development. And but apparently there is a script that he has written uh, that's a really cool idea for Batman. And now we have gotten confirmation that not only has he helped write the script, but he will also star in it and direct it as well. Which yeah. um, I can't wait. Yeah. So you have. Somebody that is that has been nominated for Oscars between writing and directing and directing, yeah. So it's uh, I think I think we're in good hands. I think we're in really I, good I, hands. I think so too. And after again, I, I wasn't too thrilled with Batman vs Superman, but one of my favorite parts of that film was him as Batman. So I'm already completely on board with him playing the part. I love his writing in Goodwill Hunting, which he won the Oscar for, directing for Argo. I was fans of every movie that he's won an award for. So writing, directing, starring in, uh, if he wants to produce it and even do catering, I'm fine with it. Uh, as long as he's on board, I'm in. Mm-hmm. And again, too, as we mentioned, I think it was like last week's episode or the week before that he was co-writing that with Jeff Johns from DC Comics. And I, I think it's just a brilliant. Um, I, I'm really excited to see what the two of them create together. So uh, moving on to the next thing, uh, we did get a little bit more information. We reported, I think about, it was like three, maybe four episodes ago that um, Rupture would be coming to The Flash, which is uh, normally um, Cisco's brother Armando in the comics. Or Ar- I think it's Armand. Uh, I can never quite remember. Um but we found out that it's actually not going to be him. It's actually going to be his brother Dante, who we did see in season one of The Flash. But it's going to be the Earth 2 version. It is out for revenge uh, due to the death of his brother Reverb. So, which was our Earth 2 evil version of Cisco. So, sounds yeah. like that will be coming in just a couple episodes. So, because we are not far off from the end here. No, we're not. And last but not least, the last piece of news this week, uh, J.K. Simmons did come out and speak a little bit about his process about playing Commissioner James Gordon in not just Justice League, but in the Batman universe. And he said purely he's not looking at other versions that have been done on film. He's just going to be, you know, purely looking at the comics, reading as much source material as he can to craft his character. So I'm very curious to see what he comes up with, but I'm very excited to have him being the one to portray this character. Oh, I'm super excited. I mean, I love J.K. Simmons. So mm-hmm. it's it's he did a fantastic job as J. Jonah Jameson. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do as Commissioner Gordon, too. Yeah. And just, honestly, if this, uh, this is just kind of circulating today as this news came out of him speaking about this. But uh, definitely head over to comicbookmovie.com. If you check that article out, I think there is a really awesome mock-up that somebody did of him fully in character with the glasses, the classic hair, hairstyle, you know. It just looks awesome, and he looks – if they even do anything close to that, I'll be pumped. <laughs> so, yeah, very cool. So yeah, I guess exactly. uh, that's it for news, but so I guess on to essentials for the week. Uh, I'm going to let you go first because I'm still trying to think of one. So okay. <laughs> I'm not, not going to lie. Well, I got two small ones here. Um, one of them is just go back, check out Justice League Unlimited, and specifically season two, I want to say episode number four, which was Task Force X. Um, 
which is a really kind of fun Suicide Squad episode. Um, yeah, just want to confirm that is, yeah, fourth episode of season two of Justice League Unlimited. Uh, originally aired May 21st, 2005. It's a really nice little fun story with uh, Plastique, Captain Boomerang, um, the Clock King, uh, Deadshot, and Rick Flagg. Uh, that is one of those people that we'll be dealing with in the movie as well. So some of those members that you will definitely see in the big screen adaptation, but in 22 minutes, they do a great job of explaining the Suicide Squad, and it's a really, really fun story. So okay. definitely recommend checking that out. Um, beyond that, too, uh, DC Comics, uh, DC Previews book uh, just came out on store shelves this week that kind of digs a little bit more into what's coming from Rebirth. And uh, there's a lot of good information in there. It's pretty much kind of like the catalog that a lot of these comic stores look at to figure out, you know, what they're going to be ordering numbers wise and all. But uh, pick that pick that magazine up. Give it a good read. It's uh, a friend of mine lent it to me last night. Got a chance to page through and read a bit of it today. Very, very interesting stuff. And it's making me super excited for rebirth so i think it's a uh, well worth uh, well worth buy oh cool um so yeah then well, moving on to my recommendations i was kind of torn with this because i've been doing since we started this podcast i've been doing more movie recommendations and television show recommendations i want to do a comic book recommendation this week uh I i've made no bones about the fact that i'm a huge superman fan i grew up reading superman comics and such so i my recommendation this week is uh, it's one i always go back to other than the death of superman storyline one of my favorite superman storylines is the superman red sun super uh storyline which is basically a big what if uh it's basically kalal lands in the soviet union instead of kansas mm -hmm. great story and, great read yeah uh pretty much he's you know he's seated with stalin and where superman it swaps roles with superman and lex and superman becomes the villain and lex luther is the american genius who pretty much has to come up with a way to destroy superman so um it's uh it's it's a it's a mark miller read uh, a Mark Miller written story that I highly recommend if you haven't uh, yet checked it out. So Superman Red Sun, I think it's back from 2002 or 2003. I think it's around the time that that story came out. And it's still very much in print, so it's really easy to still get at your local bookstore if you still have one. Um, <laughs> and then if not on Comixology too. So Yeah, uh, Comixology is a great resource for comics, but I do have to say too, and I I'm saying this more because of the fact that I know somebody who actually owns one. Uh, when you get the chance, support your local comic shop. Yeah. Um, you know, because they're in business for you. They, they aren't, they don't, people don't own comic book stores to... Uh, make money well obviously they want to make money to keep their business alive but i mean if they're anything like my friend tom who does it they do it for the readers they don't do it for themselves so it's, it's when you get a chance support your local comic book shop and but again comiXology is a great resource as well yeah so uh i guess that about wraps it up then for this week uh i guess time for a couple cheap plugs before we get out of here um i'll start things off this week because i think uh, you started things off last week, but do it up. Uh, not that it really matters. <laughs> uh, but again, you can check out our, the rest of our podcasts here on the Next Level Podcast Network. Just go to nextlevelradioonline.com where you can find links to all of the other podcasts that we have, including the Showcast, which is the other one I'm a part of that does a ton of 
uh, celebrity interviews, including people like Michael Rowe, who played Deadshot on Arrow, Selena Jade, Paul Blackthorne, uh, people from uh, we the upcoming this week, we have um, Amber Nash, who plays Pam Poovey in the television show Archer, her second time on the show. And it was definitely a lot of fun. Uh, follow us on Twitter at NXT Level Radio. And of course, you can email me, Ben, at nextlevelradioonline.com or anything for me, for me and Rob at DC Primetime at nextlevelradioonline.com. Mm-hmm. And you can always check me out at caffeinecrew.com. And that's the same on Facebook and Twitter. It's just Caffeine Crew. And you can always reach out to me on email through thecaffeinecrew at gmail.com. And again, to definitely check out that Paul Blackthorne interview from the showcast that Ben did last week. Super awesome. Uh, and again, always a big special thanks to George Shaw at georgeshawmusic.com. Definitely check out his music over there. And we thank him every week for our opening and our outro. Uh, his stuff is always wonderful. And I'm getting really excited because I think they're getting closer and closer to doing their second Star Wars musical. So oh, if awesome. you haven't checked out the first one, definitely get over to his page. Find the links for it. It's fantastic. So, yeah. Uh, follow the the, the uh, Next Level Radio, the Next Level Podcast Network on Facebook as well. Facebook.com slash Next Level Radio online. And just to reiter- reiterate, oh, God, reiterate the email, uh, DC Primetime at NextLevelRadioOnline.com. Any recommendations you would recommend us to read or you'd just like to hear us review and mention on the podcast as well, drop us a line at the email and we'll, uh, we'll definitely check them out. Yeah, and uh, real quick, too, with that, uh, if you want to... Give us some thoughts and ideas, too, for the summer because that's getting closer and closer on to us. And we're still trying to figure out what we want to do for you guys as far as do you want us to start covering, you know, iZombie and Lucifer uh, now or start getting into that. And if you guys want us to go back to the beginning of them or do you want to talk more about the current season, same thing with we have previous seasons of Arrow and Flash that we haven't touched base on. Um, so let us know. Let us know what you guys want as well. We're always happy to to do what the listeners would like to see or listen to more specifically. Yeah. Or if you disagree with something that we said about a previous, you know, if we gave an, F- an episode a legend and you felt it was a sidekick, let us know and tell us why. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but with that being said, we're going to wrap this issue up and close the pages. So uh, we are out of here until next week. We will see you guys around the bend. Peace. <laughs>